So hello and welcome to the 40th episode of the Spotlight Podcast, the unofficial podcast for Century 21 sales representatives in Canada, where we discuss the hot topics and important news in the real estate industry. So I'm your host, Linus Killius, and with me, as always, is Aaron Richardson. How's it going, Aaron? Good, Linus. How are you? Oh, pretty good. 40 episodes. We've been doing this for a while, turns out. A little bit Big over a year, zero. actually. Yeah, I know. Oh, Big milestone. That. Yeah. So Aaron is a broker and general manager with Century 21 Heritage Group. Aaron has an extensive background in online marketing, technology, and customer service. And the head of business development at the real estate marketing company, Homania. So the real estate market over the past couple months has been anything but predictable. We've seen drastic price swings in areas, as there have been large shifts in supply and demand, especially in many pockets in the greater Toronto area. Through the Spotlight Marketing Program, we've actually also seen a record number of price changes on listings over the past month. Just yesterday, Aaron and I were discussing a listing that came to the market with one price, had a price reduction one week later, and then had a price increase a couple weeks after that. So the market can be so price volatile that it can be difficult as a real estate agent to assess the value of a home. When home prices are in constant motion, past sales data from comparable properties may be outdated even as short as within a couple of weeks. So how can you confidently price a home in a market like this? So Aaron... Mm-hmm. You've got a home going up for sale in a market where prices are in flux. Where do you start when assessing the value of the home, given the the way that the market is today? It's tough. Um, doing a proper market analysis in any market is obviously very important, but even more important now. Um, being able to justify the price of the home and uh, doing a proper and careful analysis with adjustments and taking that that sort of stuff into a into a account um, is very very important uh, to be able to justify it to the the homeowners because when you're going to come up with a a price that uh, let's say your neighbor house sold for 1.2 million. And you're putting this house up and you know that it's a comparable home, but you're going to be saying, listen, you know, 1.15 is a marketable price on this house. They're going to be disappointed and uh, they may not want to go with you as a real estate agent if you're uh, if they feel you're undervaluing the home. So you really have to be careful and, and, and have uh, the information that's backing you up and be able to talk about value and why you've come up with that price. So is that just the best way is just to try and gain the confidence of the client and let them understand that the home may not be as, as valuable as they expect? Uh, well, yeah, they have to understand what's happening in the market. On a downwards market, I mean, you can think of a graph as a graph goes up and down. On a downwards market, uh, today's price is not tomorrow's sale. Today's value, what that just sold for, is on a decline. So in two weeks when you get up and market that property – and get the property on the market, whether it's two, three weeks, or even tomorrow, the 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 market is heading downwards. And when it heads downwards, people are stuck at a at a price in their mind that they think they need or want, and the market will never hit that price, which means you're just going to be up forever. You have to be ahead of the market right now. Yeah, it sounds like it's tough, especially if you're competing against agents for clients when they're say valuing the house at a higher point then you know the client might say well why is he saying it so much more and then you've got that you know that job i guess to explain Mm -hmm. why it isn't that way and like you said they might look have that price in their head and say well that agent is telling us a price that he thinks he can get for this property which is higher than the agent that you know that you're saying so i guess that's a tough thing to compete against sometimes yeah and the worst thing you want is uh your your reputation in the market to have you know homes that don't sell but at the same time, you also know that inventory creates buyers and uh, getting a, an inventory on the market is very important. So um, you have to look deep inside uh, your realtor heart and decide which way you really want to go in things. And I've always, always promoted 
Uh, we're here to sell homes. We're not here to put homes on the market. And we're not a listing agents that are just there for another listing. We're there to sell their home. Um, so explain that to your seller and uh, have some confidence behind you. And you know what's going on in the market. And you have to be able to um, really get that across uh, to them what is happening so they, they can understand. And they'll respect you for it. And uh, when you go away from that uh, listing presentation, hopefully they make the decision based on some you know, careful consideration rather than just who has the highest price. So let's say you get the client, you list their home, and you don't get it right. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, you might list it, the, what it seems to be the market value, but then the market may shift within a week or two, right, of, of doing that initial sure. assessment. So mm -hmm. do you have to, how do you temper the expectations of the clients? Or how do you, how do you approach that situation to, to tell them, hey, listen, we really need to reduce the, the list value of your home? Because that can never be an easy conversation to have. Yeah. Price reductions are difficult, uh, but you should always be working on, on them because if a house didn't sell after your marketing in the first two weeks, it's going to take two or more months in order to really, uh, you know, I guess convince somebody sometimes or have them have convinced after frustration and they're upset with you and you might lose the listing. So you have to be active and proactive yourself to get a price reduction fairly quickly. As long as you involved you involve your sellers with the process and manage their expectations up front. You can then have a, a plan B and a you know and, and the fact the fact is you have to really look at their motivations too. If they're not motivated to sell and they need to make a price change, you, you're going to run into some problems there. You may have to suspend, hold off, relist. Um, there's different options, but you should look at all the options and make sure they're involved in that decision. Yeah, and those are never words that a seller likes to hear, right? Yeah. Um, typically, I mean, what we see a lot of, too, uh, being on the marketing side of things is that whenever there are price reductions or relists required, um, a lot of agents will, will start pointing fingers in really strange directions almost sometimes to try and justify uh, the reason the price reductions are required. It might be, oh, you know, like the, the photos taken outside where, you know, it was raining that day or, or maybe there was some strange angle in the family room. Um, that, I mean, there seems to be like a million reasons that an agent might start pointing fingers. Is that a good thing it's to a do. Difficult, I mean, you have a difficult, uh, that having uh, having a marketing company uh, is is pretty difficult through this time because that's exactly what happens. Uh, you know, the price, uh, the home was established, they put it on the market, they did a great job marketing it and everything. And then the seller's going, well, it can't be the price. I mean, maybe it was the fact that pictures are, you know, uh, an off shade or the, maybe you didn't get it out. Like a, uh, we've had sellers come uh, come to the agent and said, listen, I need you to call around all the big players in town and make cold calls to the agents to try and get them to sell this house. I need you to do some work for me here. And then, you know, they don't have a, you know, they have a valid point. They want you working hard for them at this point in time. But there is some, uh, again, <laughs> expectations that you that maybe weren't managed from the beginning. Um, you have to let them know everything you're doing to market the property and the value you're giving them and say, listen, a short of a price adjustment, there's, you know, there's nothing else we can do other than remove it from the market or do a price adjustment. And uh, yeah, that's a tough one. And uh, there's a lot of tricks, you know, take take the client out to see the houses, pretend you're a buyer and go out and view some homes. Sometimes that can backfire because they say, oh, my house is the best on the market right now and say, well, maybe there just isn't any buyers out there right now. Do some analysis statistically, 450 houses on the market, only two sold last week. That means two, you know, how many weeks, you know, to divide that two by 450, that's how many weeks it's going to take to sell all the inventory. 
So, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough market when, uh, when things aren't moving, you have lots of listings. So come up with a reason and try and avoid excuses, I guess. Oh, but yeah, come up with a plan. You, you have the answer. You know, we, we knew this might happen, but this is what we have to do. And uh, this is what we're going to do to try and get out there more, get more, more creative with online advertising and pay-per-click advertising. I mean, show that you're doing everything you can, but let them also know that in the end, uh, the buyers out there are going to buy the best value that's on the market. And if there's only two buyers, you better be the best value on the market. So what if you're on the other side of the coin? What if you're an agent representing a buyer? You're looking at properties too. Is there anything you can do in this volatile market to potentially, you know, take advantage of these rapid fly, price fluctuations? Well, sure. I mean, anytime where there's a, a you know a ton of listings on the market, it, you, people start talking. You know, maybe it's a buyer's market now. Uh, buyer's market, you know, is debatable at this point in time in our market. We have lots of listings, but the price is still up there. A lot of listings are, are you know, are still at the uh, the price they thought it was going to be, you know, maybe a month ago or whatnot. So um, you should be looking for people that are kind of desperate. And I know that's, you know, it's, it's, I hate to say we're taking advantage of the seller or anything like that, but if they've bought and they've purchased, um, they don't, they're scared. They have to sell. So some lowballing and some, uh, you know, opportunity to take advantage of those situations is definitely there for, for the buying market, for sure. All right. Well, how about if you're looking to purchase an investment, say like either as a flip or rental or, or otherwise, like mm -hmm. when we're talking about valuating homes, should you be looking at the value of homes any different in those kinds of situations as well? Yeah, it's tough right now for investors in our market. Uh, it seems that they've completely disappeared. They're they're off the face of the earth right now, and that's sort of causing some of the issues we have because they're waiting. And as an investor on a downward swing, if your stock is going down in value, do you really want to be purchasing? You know, where's the bottom? You want to purchase at the bottom and then make some money on an upswing. And that's what happened in the spring, but uh, where they made money on an upswing. But now that's on a downswing, they're saying, oh, I'm not going to buy a house. And by the time I'm closed, I already lost 20 percent. So all the, buy, uh, the investors are sort of sort of waiting this 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 waiting game. What will end up happening is, you know, we'll get through the inventory throughout the summer and whatnot. And there'll be a. Uh, you know, a little bit of a spike there in September and you'll see the buyer, the, the investors try and get back in because, you know, when you're investing, it, depending on the type of investment, I don't think it's a bad thing ever to be in the real estate market. Um, markets always go up and in the end, you're going to win out if it's a long term gain. But if you're doing a fix and flip right now, eh, it's a tough one for them. I, I think um, I, if I was a fix and flip right now, I might be holding off and waiting for uh, either the bottom the fallout or an upward swing and uh, and then buy into the upward swing. Well, I always feel like fix and flipping is kind of like day trading on the stark market, whereas, you know, maybe if you've got a rental property, it's more like you're in for the long haul too, right? So, Oh, it's, you know what? I had a guy came, call me the other day and he, he says, now, Aaron, I'm ready now to do these flips. I'm like, where were you two months ago? <laughs> <laughs> because I, and I told him the stories back in February where people were purchasing a property and making 30%, 40% in two, in a month. Right. And they didn't do anything with the house. You didn't even have to fix it. <laughs> there was no fixing. It was just flipping. Just buy it and sell it two months later. And they were making 30 percent. So but now I'm you know, I was giving some advice to, you know, maybe sit tight and wait for a little bit. But, you know, and I 
I'm, I'm here to sell homes, but I'm also here to build a business. I'm here to build a rapport with my, my, my clients and all the rest of it. So, um, and in this case, uh, it was a friend of mine and I just gave him some advice, maybe just to hold off and see what happens over the next little bit, like everyone else seems to be doing. So, um, and, uh, and then you can, you start looking at it in an upward swing market in terms of fixing and flipping. So, I mean, you and all the other real estate agents are in the business of selling homes. Like, is that good advice to give? Like, if you've got potentially a, a hot buyer coming in, yeah. it must be tough to exercise restraint if you think that he shouldn't be buying right now for whatever reason to, to tell them that specific advice too, because yeah. that means you don't you're not going to get that that buyer or that seller, right? Well, I and I own a business, and, and all the real estate agents have to realize that they own a business. And do you want to have the reputation of somebody that's selling houses for the sake of selling houses, or do you want to have the reputation of an agent that's giving good advice, sound advice to investors that uh, that they're going to refer you more people because you're making them money and you're telling them when to hold and when to uh, when to purchase. And so, good advice is always uh, the way to go on that situation. You just don't want the next quick sale. Right, let's talk about appraisals because the bank and MPAC will appraise your home. And, and after you purchase the home, you might look at the purchase price and you might look at the appraised price and there might be quite a discrepancy there. Um, like what's going on there? Why, why are they different and, and does it matter? Yeah. So when it comes to um, establishing a market value for uh, any let's say any piece of real estate, there are different ways that uh, you're going to establish value. Um, when we were taught uh, taking the courses, there's three main ways. And I know some of them are broken up into subcategories, but in a general sense, uh, you have a comparable approach, which we do in real estate because we say, well, the one sold that was very comparable two doors down for this price, therefore your home is um, going to be valued at that price. And um, real estate appraisers will typically use the comparable approach almost 98% of the time because that's how you value homes value is what a buyer will pay on the open market but then you get an appraisal done um, let's say by your insurance company and uh, your appraisal comes in you know at 850,000 and you're you bought the house for 600 and you're saying well why did you you know say my house is worth 850 well that's the cost approach and that's the cost to replace your home I had an old home this is exactly what happened I bought a home um, it was 3,000 square feet, a big home with an addition, and it was an old home, old century home. And uh, I bought it for way back then, 4, 420 or 430 or something like that. And the the uh, cost to replace was 850. And uh, so, you know, they're they're looking at the cost approach. How much would it be? Would it cost to replace that? Uh, piece of property, and that's and that, that's another type of uh, appraisal, and then there's the uh, in income approach, uh, which is more of like an investment type um, scenario where they look at things like cap rate and um, how much income is this uh, property uh, making you based on rental rates and all the rest of it, and what's your return uh, in terms of uh, your cap rate. So there are different and 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 there are different ways. That's where they're sort of um, uh, the the income approach or the investment approach. Uh, can be broken down to subcategories depending on the investment. But uh, that's why you're going to see different types of appraisals done. But also, to answer your question about what the different types are in terms of uh, like MPAC is going to, they're both doing comparable approaches. Why is it different? Well, banks want it to come in a little lower so they minimize their risk. MPAC wants it maybe in some cases a little higher because they want to make more taxes on you. But we all seem to have lower impact ratings right now. Um, so they do it a little differently and uh, they'll assess what it was, uh, what it is, let's say today, and then have a five year incremental. So 
um, they'll take off five years of value and just, you know, make you pay the, the amount that it was five, it seems like five years ago, and then bring you up to the value of today in five years. So there's different ways that they do it as well. Is this something that you prep, say, like first home, first time home buyers on uh, when, when they're purchasing a home because they may not realize that this this might happen where they get drastically yeah. different appraised values? Well, well, and right now it's it's the reason. I mean, it's a good topic to talk about right now because appraisals are coming back um, with kind of crazy values, and and some of them are lower. Um, than what we expect because somebody's going to purchase a property um, let's say a month ago looking to close next month and an appraisal comes through and we've kind of dropped in value right now and the appraisers know this so if you bought it for 1.3 they're only valuing it at 1.2 um, so the 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 buyer comes back to the agent and goes oh we overpaid well no we bought it in the market that we were in and we paid what we did because that was the market value back then um, market has shifted uh, and they'll shift up and down. Don't worry about it. Um, but the appraisal will come in a little bit lower because the banks want to minimize their uh, liability and risk in terms of putting a mortgage on the property. Yeah, there's there's always an answer. And I guess as the real estate agent, you've always got to have that answer ready for your client, right? Yeah. And sometimes, you know, don't let them ask the question, you know, talk to them before the appraisal's done and say, just so you know, appraisers going through, but don't be surprised if it comes a little lower than what we purchased it for, for this reason. Tempering expectations. Very yeah. important. Is there anything else you want to say about this topic before we wrap up the show, Aaron? Ah, oh, geez. Um, yeah, I guess going back to the original um, comment I made at the beginning, it just I don't see agents doing um, a, a diligent enough job doing a proper appraisal enough. You know, they'll come in and they'll print off comparables, put them in front of the seller and say, your house kind of sits in here. Um, rather than statistically showing them that, um, and when you're doing a proper um, market analysis, what appraisers do and is what we should do is take everything into account. Um, if you're selling a two-story home with two-car garage and four bedrooms, you're comparing it to other homes that are two, you know, two-car garage, two-story and, and um, comparable. But sometimes things aren't identical. So this one was updated. How much are you going to put in for an adjustment based on an upgraded kitchen? If you were a buyer, I'd buy this home for $60,000 more because of the kitchen. So you do an adjustment on your property um, by taking away $60,000 on the other one. And that's how uh, adjustments are done. And when you've done all your adjustments for all your comparables, you actually get a really good statistical analysis of saying, yeah, that, that sits in exactly where I expected that house to sit in. And um, what it shows to the seller is that you've put some really good thought into your appraisal. And, uh, and that way they're not going to question you as much and they're going to see you as a professional. Yeah. Well, doing the work and showing that you've done the work and being thorough is always a good thing in any industry. So mm -hmm. I guess like using that to, um, raise the clients, that, uh, you know, thought of you as a professional is always important. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I think we'll wrap the show up here then. So if you like the show, subscribe to our show on Stitcher, iTunes, Google play, or wherever you find your podcasts online. And please don't forget to leave us a five-star review on those sites because it really does help. You can watch us in past shows at spotlight.centralchain1.ca slash podcast. If you need to reach us, you can email us anytime at podcast at homemania.com. That's podcast at H-O-M as in Mary, E-A-N as in Nancy, I-A dot com. This podcast was brought to you by the Spotlight Marketing Program, an exclusive marketing package available only to Century 21 agents in Canada. Spotlight provides agents with a comprehensive internet marketing strategy for their listings. We provide high-quality HDR photography, 
stunning HD video tours, a cutting-edge responsive website, and an extensive advertising system that will help sell your listings faster, sell them for more money, impress your clients, and generate leads. Find out why so many agents are using Spotlight by visiting spotlight.century21.ca today. Thanks again, Aaron. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Take care. Have a great week.